I'm going to go in the intro now. All right. Hit it. Thanks for listening to episode 13 of Hip Squared. I'm your co-host, John Beecham. And I'm Troy Kramer. This is American Fantastic's pop culture podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? Freedom! Freedom. Are you fighting off uh, English invaders? No, I'm just not teaching class anymore. Not teaching class anymore. (laughs) So I have so much free time, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, yeah. well, so, I think I saw what you were doing it before the show. You were playing um, Breath of the Wild yeah. on your yeah. So Troy was d- doing a technical demo that none of our listeners could see, but uh, I got to see it before the show. I'm just saying it's a pretty sweet game and system. I'm proud of Nintendo. They done good on this one. Continued, Hopefully they continue to support it. Yeah, continued recommendations for Breath of the Wild. Those of you that are lucky enough to afford a Switch, go out and get yes. it. Or Wii U. Or is, a Wii U. It is also out for Wii U. Oh, I didn't know that. Nintendo's cool. That Because I remember uh, Twilight Princess came out for GameCube and Wii simultaneously. Mm-hmm. See, I yeah, all you PS4, Sony... <laughs> Uh, Xbox One, if you're listening, I still got a 360 and a PS3. And <laughs> if you were putting out $60 games, if they were like good enough, I would. But yeah, 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 I know because we need more um, video game executives listening to our podcast. Please. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> that seems very likely. Yeah, Sony, Microsoft, if you like a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I haven't had much free time. I got to go to the Red River Gorge to see my dad's side of the family, the Beecham clan. Oh, really? So that was a wonderful experience, getting That's to awesome. reconnect and go hang out in the woods. And then um, Monday, mm-hmm. um, I went to the Donald Trump rally. He came to our first city of Louisville, Kentucky. I saw on Facebook that you were going. Yeah, and so my original plan was, and I know, guys, we don't get into politics in this podcast, so you don't need to f- switch it off. Donald Trump, he's part, been a part of pop culture for decades. And just because he's our president, mm-hmm. I mean, that just makes him more deeper into pop culture, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to go. I, so I got tickets. I brought my friend Matt. I didn't want to go by myself because I thought that's a little sketch. Yeah. There's been some people roughed up. And, like, my whole plan was to get kicked out. Yes. I wanted to get kicked out of the inside rally because I thought, like, well, those are the people that kind of make the news sometimes. Or, like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that gets covered. <laughs> and then I knew there was going to be a protest anyway. So I'm like, well, I could just join the regular protest. Uh-huh. So yeah. you did that. Well, no, because I got there like five minutes after they start kept letting people in. Oh no! No, it was my fault. I was running late. Matt and I got there, but like we thought, I thought we could get into the edge, but yeah, apparently the fire marshal just caught a kibosh after a while. Ah. So um, yeah, my lack of punctuality, but I stayed for the protest that took out place outside the gates. That took outside the gates. Well, we that took the outside we gates. Take, <laughs> <laughs> took place outside the gates. Oh, okay, okay. So that was kind of like a fun because that's really part of what I was. I mean, I was wanting to uh, express my political beliefs, you know, exercise my First Amendment rights, all that good jazz. But mm-hmm. I also wanted to take in the spectacle of a Donald Trump rally. Yes, like I thought it was going to be like a monster truck show <laughs> kind of event. Like I was excited. Like I. Yeah, that's like, quite stereotypical, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to think it's going to be like a monster truck show. <laughs> I mean, he is a monster, so I mean, uh, we're close. Well, okay, some people's opinion, but um, it was it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of cool people there. Um, oh, good. Okay. I'm going to be talking about yeah. So I'm not those people, but um, yeah, it was like a really neat, life changing experience. It was fun, and I had a blast. So. And that's also why my voice sounds a little hoarse. I thought you know too much yelling at people. Yeah, too much yelling <laughs> at people. I mean, people are yelling at me. Poor cops that had to stand right in front of me and like they, they were protecting <laughs> us more, I think, than they were protecting the venue from us. Oh, geez. Okay. But uh, <laughs> they were really cool. Louisville cops, shout out to the LMPD. I know mm-hmm. that um, police as an institution aren't perfect, but 
they were very good that night and I'm thankful for their restraint and their like professionalism. They yeah. did a great job. So anyway, let's get this show on the road. All right. Um, I'm really excited because this March, a new season of Samurai Jack has begun. A new season. A new season of Samurai Jack. And I was brought up, um, Cartoon Network got really good. I would say not when I was a little, little kid. When I was a little, it was like Nickelodeon. You had like mm-hmm. your Foxes, you had your PBS. And like for kids cartoons, it's pretty much the main networks, a few cable networks and uh, Nickelodeon. But there was no like cartoon exclusive channel until Cartoon Network came out. Yeah. And a lot of it was like old cartoons. Like, um, I mean, these were great, but like there was a lot of Looney Tunes on there. Right. There was like all kinds of, um, you know, like they didn't have like all original content to start mm-hmm. out with. Um, Jenny Tartakovsky. Is that, that, I know, that's quite a mouthful. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Genity right. It's spelled Gendy. Okay. But it has two N's and then a D. Gendity. And I just, I just think Genity Tartakovsky sounds cooler than Genity Tartakovsky. I don't know. I don't know. That was so, very fancy. So, yeah. If you guys want to correct me, please, yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Feel leave free. a comment on Facebook or something. But, um, so he created three really popular, um, and this would have been in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Okay, so this uh, would have been when I was watching him too. Yeah, you would have been. Yeah, you would have been. Um, so Troy and I lived together from the time I was ten and he was zero <laughs> till the time I was 18, eighteen and he was eight. eight yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, you like so the Powerpuff Girls mm, and okay. Dexter's Laboratory. Okay. Um, started at the same time. Those were both by Jenny Tartakovsky, and they were kind of like Powerpuff Girls was very action oriented, mm-hmm. kind of feminist in a way, because it was like three like girl superheroes and um, mm-hmm. really funny and zany and kind of like off the wall too, like very weird art style. Like their feet looked like dinner rolls, and their arms were yeah. It was very weird. it was very uh, puffy and very animated exactly. too. Their eyes were huge. Yeah, but and then um, the colors just popped. The the personality and the charm just oozed out of all that. Dexter's Laboratory was also like just less of an action, more of just a straight up comedy with mm-hmm. like touches of sci-fi. Yeah. And there's like a sibling rivalry, but also like weird accents like I was like, step into my laboratory. Oh like, yeah. Not his, really his, Russian, his... but it was like yeah. Yeah, really he good. had the really weird one. And then there was Mandark who had the yeah. uh, ha, the ha, left. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. yeah. So and then so those guys are all very like yeah, uh all very humorful. Mm-hmm. Um, you would watch those with like any little kid, and like, those and those were kind of when they came out, they were split up. It's like, all right, if you're a girl, you yeah. can watch Powerpuff Girls. Exactly. If you're a guy, you can watch Dexter's Laboratory. Exactly, and and like and of course, like Powerpuff Girls had tons of action. Oh, for yeah. like boys, and then also Dexter's Laboratory. His sister was one of the main characters, so mm-hmm. the girls had something to relate to too. So yeah. That's what, and then okay, and then Samurai Jack, which is what we're gonna talk about. Today. Was that his? Was that his third one? I guess so. <laughs> so that one. There is humor in it. I won't deny yes. that. But it, it is, is dry humor. It's a dry humor for a lot of times, and it's just like a subtle aspect. So Samurai Jack, it's a, it's a very strange premise, but it works as an action cartoon. Mm-hmm. There is in um, ancient Japan a samurai. Mm-hmm. Name is Jack. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like short for Jaku or something, but uh, yeah. yeah. And there is a demon, mm-hmm. uh, all-powerful uh, large black and like his horns. name horns horns yes his name is Aku Aku um, and in the very first episode Samurai Jack is it's kind of he's a special sacred sword mm-hmm. that is the only weapon that can defeat Aku which is this demon that's rampaging Japan mm-hmm. 
And but right before Jack is about to destroy him, Aku sends him into a time portal, mm-hmm. and there's a perpetual war that goes be- on between those two throughout time and space. So I'm gonna stop you real quick. Yes. If you've ev- if you haven't watched the first episode of season one of Samurai Jack, I highly recommend it. It has a fantastic soundtrack. There's almost no um, what's the, what am I what's the word I'm looking for words. Yes, it's almost all. I think it's all sound. It's all music throughout the whole thing that tells this opening story. Yeah. I think there's words, but too. I think they're very spare. Mm-hmm. And Samurai Jack, he's not a silent protagonist, but he doesn't talk as much as most cartoon characters. <laughs> he's close. Do. He's close. <laughs> yeah, he's very reserved. Mm-hmm. Yes, very honorable samurai. And um, but Aku, no longer sadly, but originally um, was voiced by one of the most legendary voice actors ever, Mako. Okay, and he just sounds like this crazy. And yeah, demonic super villains like Jack. I, I can't do it very well right now because my throat's. Yeah, me. Is, is, is that Uncle Iroh's voice? It is. Okay, okay so if anybody likes Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, one of the most beloved characters is Mako, who are sorry, not Mako. Mako's the voice actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uncle Iroh, uh, one of the first antagonists, Uncle, and kind of like the Obi Wan Kenobi to this um, young firebender mm-hmm. but he's he's on what you think of as the bad guy side but he's really kind and gentle yes which is yeah so but his his personality in that show is just like your gentle kind grandfatherly old man mm-hmm. if you want to see a cranky bitter old man angry all-powerful <laughs> old man demon that's who mako inhabits as aku mm-hmm. and he just steals the show aku's dialogue is you because he, he doesn't have a volume switch. No, he's Aku always... just... Uh, I mean, think of uh, Cobra Commander and how, like, deluded and, like, grandiose he mm-hmm. always was, but without the whiny and pathetic side of him, just, like, very loud and blustery. Mm-hmm. And that's Aku. Yeah, I remember there was a... There's an episode in the first, like, one of the first four seasons of Samurai Jack where it's Aku trying to use propaganda to teach these kids that Samurai Jack is bad and he's good. Yeah. So he's trying to tell these stories. But oh, he's yeah, telling he tells them from his own perspective. Yeah. Yes, but he tells them in his voice, so he's shouting them the whole time, and he sounds incredibly angry the whole time. So it's yeah. like, ah, oh, it's kind of hard to be on your side when you, have the, <laughs> when you sound like this, man. Yeah, I know. He he really could have uh, benefited from some kind of, like, interpersonal communications coach. Yes. You know, like, somebody from HR department of, like, Supervillains Incorporated really just needed to sit him down and, like, Aku, we love what you're doing. You do some of our best work, but really, your communication at least something to be lacked. But I think if you're a uh, immortal demon, it's oh, kind of yeah. it's kind of hard to humble yourself down to yeah, that level. That hmm, exactly. I really do need to work on my speech. No, skills. I agree. I think um, it's best that Aku didn't have to bow to any kind of like corporate culture, and he just did his own thing. Yeah. Um. So to the news. <laughs> okay, and I and I guess we should talk about too, like a little bit about the art style. Like it's just mm-hmm. really slick. Um. Classic-looking cartoons. Mm-hmm. I would say it's reminiscent of cartoons from the '50s and '60s, kind of like, okay. like very, like okay, think about like Scooby-Doo or like the old Hanna Barbera. Yeah, or that's like, fair. But with a very slick budget and like really well produced, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like that same sort of like it's not realistic, but it's not extremely like far end. Yeah, and it's also it's also it is a serious, more serious show, mm-hmm. so it's not as literally bubbly yes and it is literally edgier it is edgier there's a lot more um action and violence in it mm-hmm. i would say that most kids could handle it once they're like seven eight nine but like yeah you probably wouldn't want to show this to your four-year-old because they might either yeah. get scared or they might just start like 
uh, pretending that their baseball bat is a katana blade. And you do have to watch home. out for like the the kids like drawing on their own and drawing yeah. like severed heads exactly. and blood all over Things the place like too. Um, but it's it's just yeah. So the animation is great. That like Troy's mentioned, the sound and the music is really well done. Um, the characters, like a lot of the humor comes from the, just the weird characters and situations. Mm-hmm. Like I know one of my favorite episodes of Samurai Jack is for some reason he gets on a train. Okay. And it's kind of like in the old West. So of course he's like, this is like reminiscent of the dark tower we talked about last week, but mm-hmm. he goes through time and space all the time. So, you know, he might be in the old West one week. He might be like in some other time period the next mm-hmm. week. He's in, I know there's one episode where he's in like the roaring twenties. Yeah. So there's like that. And that uh, honestly has a lot of variety and gives uh, Tartakovsky tons of flexibility and mm-hmm. just kind of like, here are these two characters. Let's see how they can diametrically oppose each other in all these different right. environments. And sometimes, it's not even Aku. So the Old West episode, there were a couple of train robbers, mm-hmm. but they happened to be robot, like they were evil robot cowboys. Yeah. And if if I say a samurai fighting evil robot cowboys <laughs> on a speeding train, I mean, yeah, so you have like three insane things rolled up and packed into this one tight little package. You might think like, well, how does somebody pull that off? Watch Samurai Jack and you can see it's like this dude does not run out of ideas. And the great thing is, it's like, yes, like, it's sad when Samurai Jack goes away. It's sad when these things end. But I would rather, you know, get like five or six great years. Mm-hmm. Samurai Jack lasted four for the original run. Um, four seasons. Yeah. And then like hang up your coat and like go on and do something else. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny Tartakovsky today, not just the new Samurai Jack. He also has a new Luke Cage comic um, from Marvel Comics. Okay. So same art style. Mm-hmm. Um, just so imagine like that same cartoon turned into a comic book, but it's like 70s Luke Cage. Oh, God. And okay. so there's like all kinds <laughs> of great style. Like people have afros and like the big yellow shirt. Yeah. And, and basically that. he gets onto this island where he has to like challenge some dude in like a fist fight. And like <laughs> okay. he beats up every other character. He beats up Ghost Rider and he beats up the Punisher and like oh, okay. only Luke Cage can stop him. But um, just that like, he he's very like tongue in cheek action and um the new version, season five comes out March eleventh or came out March eleventh, I yeah. should say. You can see the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I think they took the gritty uh ness from um when Troy and I were little and now they have uh they can use blood. The original yep. series did not have any blood. Yep, they 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 did bring it up on that level I saw. Yeah, and the animation looks even more slick, probably because their budget they can get a lot more out of it because mm-hmm. it, it still looks cell shaded, but I'm sure it's done all, all on computers now. Yeah. So you can get those like all those frames per second in there, man. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> and it's the new it's a I mean, it's the same artist and writers? Yeah, I believe it's the same artist and writers. I'm sure it's a new team. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's so in, I'm hoping for some of that like that same humor and dry uh, yes. entertainment and action to and, come back. And Troy and I, think and I it will. yeah, we were watching the trailer. Um, I haven't seen any episodes of the new series. I've watched the trailer. I'm very impressed. There is a group of uh, dangerous looking female ninja assassins mm-hmm. after him. There's all kinds of um and, oh Samurai Jack has a beard now yes it, it, and it looks like there for may, now <laughs> it looks like there might be more than one version so maybe like the periods of time like mm-hmm. or know. he's just like this older yeah older wiser Samurai Jack because he was like young like twenties mm-hmm. in the first yes. one so he's pro- he's probably like aged he kind of imagine um like Keanu Reeves as a samurai and then imagine Keanu Reeves with a beard okay like, that's kind of like how I compare it wasn't Keanu Reeves a samurai in some movie at some point. I he might have been. He had a beard and uh, like those John Wick things, right? And that's yeah. like make this young guy look older. Add a beard to him. Yeah, anyway. that, it does work. Exactly. So, so in a like completely different direction. Yes. Um, 
if anybody's been to my house, and I suspect most people that are listening to this haven't, uh, they will notice one thing when you walk in, and that is I have three mo- three big movie posters, like mm-hmm. 36 by 42 inch movie posters in my living room as decoration. And I picked these, and I picked these posters and these movies back like three years ago when I thought they were really cool. Uh, and I kind of wanted to talk about each of them because they're, well, at one time they were my top movies. They probably moved down from now, mm-hmm. but. Uh, they have really great movie posters, and yeah. that's like part of the reason they're staying. So uh, I'm pr- probably going to do this in like a three part series. So I'll talk about each one uh, over the next three weeks, if if I keep remembering yeah. and get a chance to watch them. Because so I'd... PT Uno. Uh, so part one, yeah. So this is <laughs> this is PT. Uh, yeah, Uno. I don't, I don't have a better way to call it. You got, you got it on the right try on the first try. So part one, um, the one that's hanging over my fireplace is. Uh, one of my favorite movies, also, like, really, it's outdated, but it has one of the stupidest-looking movie posters mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Uh, that's 12 Angry Men. Um, if you've ever seen the movie poster, it's a big yellow poster with a knife sticking down through it, and there's so much blank space, and it just looks horrible. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I don't... Okay. <laughs> I... See, I would say I love that kind of art style on a poster. Like, something minimalistic... Mm-hmm. Definitely gets the point across, like, knife, angry people. Yeah. And, like, I guess it's, it's very symbolic. And um, the other thing, too, is I'm so tired of movie posters. It's like, we hired this guy for $20 million, so I hope you like his portrait so. coming out November 17. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's so boring. Like, I, I or, could look on the guy's IMDb page for that. Like, mm-hmm. or, the, or the Star Wars version where they just have every major character See, all now over that's that. cool. Like, the old 70s, like, Okay, and well, illustrative ones, but like, or these, like, yeah, so it's like, it gives you the concept, it teases you, but it's not, like, they could have put Henry Fonda on the front, mm-hmm. or like, movie stars were just as big a deal back then, so like, yeah, like, you could get people's butts into seats without having to, like, here's the close-up of Henry Fonda, you remember him, right? Oh, he's on there, though. <laughs> he is. He is, in the, like, bottom left corner. Yeah, in the bottom left <laughs> corner, and that's cool, man, if you want to have your actors, your characters there, but yeah, like, if that would have been such a boring poster if it was just Henry that's Fonda true, looking very would. serious and, like, 12 Angry Men. If, Henry if it's, if it's like, the, uh, the To Kill a Mockingbird, the yeah. original version of that poster. Is this uh, Gregory Peck? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's pretty awful. Anyway, so 12 Angry Men, now that we've completely gone off topic, um... <laughs> It's a it's a classic movie. It originally was written as a TV play, so it was a play, essentially a play that was just going to they were going to record it, sitting back, put it on TV. Uh, it's like an hour fifteen minutes, pretty relatively short in terms of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it did well enough that they made it into a stage play. Yes, uh, got a couple performances, and then in 1957 they made it into the film um, Twelve Angry Men. Uh, starring, as we were talking about, Henry Fonda, uh, Lee J. Cobb, who's, uh, he's juror number one, two, three, I think. Um, if you've never seen 12 Angry Men, nobody actually has names. They're all juror number X, up to, well, 12. Yeah, and that's really neat, too, because you can kind of project whatever identities, because it's all based on how they're acting and thinking, and they're kind of like archetypes of people. Mm-hmm. So yes. It's like, who do you want these to represent in your mind? Yeah, so it does It does something very interesting where, it, like like you said, it has each archetype. You have essentially the immigrant, the poor person, um, the racist, the... Um, the hero, I think, is the best way to describe juror number eight. Yes. Um, who Henry Fonda plays. And essentially, the whole premise of the movie, if you've never heard it or never heard of the story of 12, 12 Angry Men, is there's a court case for a 18-year-old 
Um, and if he's found guilty, he's going to go to the electric chair. Um, so these these it's right after the court, or it's right after the case. You don't hear any of the case. Um, these 12 men go back into a juror's room, and it's the whole movie is set inside that room. Yeah, it's so you can see how easily it can be well adapted into a play. Right. It's like, yeah, so. And that's why it's also, so also, it is a play that you'll see all the time. Like, every, everybody does it because it's a decent sized cast. It's easy to get 12 people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you have a, enough people, or it's not a super tiny cast, so it's not like four or five people. It's not a giant cast that's hard to manage. It's a small 12-person cast, and there's only, like, two or three people that really need to be good for mm-hmm. it to be a good show. Yeah. Uh, everybody else can be, like, pretty There's a Because <laughs> when you think of in protagonist and antagonist, so Henry Fonda yes. is the protagonist who has, like, a very open mind and, like, fights for what's right, not what's easy. Mm-hmm. Lee Jacobs is the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And he represents a lot of, like, kind of, like, bigoted views. Like, he basically thinks the guy is guilty because... I mean, there's evidence there. I guess you hear about yes. that in the course of it, but also kind of like he doesn't challenge it because the way the prosecution presents it validates his prejudices that he already right. has. And um, the whole premise of the movie is it starts off, they all walk into the uh, the juror's room, and they're like, all right, well, let's vote. Let's see where everyone's at. And they vote, and everybody votes for this kid to be guilty except for Henry Fonda, juror eight. Mm-hmm. Um and everyone looks at him and was like, oh, come on. How can you think he's innocent? And he's like, well, I just think there's a chance. And it moves on throughout the movie. Um, he eventually convinces everyone to vote not guilty mm-hmm. um, throughout the like the entirety of the movie, which as I was reading different like different things online, everyone's like, please don't think this is actually how juries yeah. should work. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> like don't don't convince everyone that like given given a bunch of facts and a bunch of evidence, mm. don't go in there and try and convince everyone that, that that's wrong. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, so the process is, is like he brings up each of these facts that are presented out the case and convinces the jurors one by one yes. that to challenge their, their initial ideas. Yeah. And it's, and it's all kind of about getting out of your conventional ways of thinking mm-hmm. and like how the world is presented to you and looking beneath the surface. And, and it's always extremely timely mm-hmm. because it addresses topics like racism, like the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. social classes, social is a classes, big thing. and like different. And, and of course, like America as um, all of these different kinds of people that come mm-hmm. together and united as one. Now, it's very much a a, um, a relic of its time because I think all of the jurors are. I don't know if they're all they're um, all white men or yes. are they just all men. They're all men, and I think they're all if they're not all white men, they're close. Yeah, um, there might be like, like some Italian immigrant. guy. Yeah, there's the Italian okay. immigrant who was uh, who I was just about to mention. Okay, um, there's an Italian immigrant, and there's a poor man. But I don't remember. I don't think the poor. I think the poor man's also white. Like mm. I think they're all white. And men. it's kind of insane to think that like so Ma- Troy and I's mother was born in 1955. Mm-hmm. This movie takes place around then, right? Yeah, 1957 is when it okay. came out. So it's so, in, that, in that era. Yeah, so just imagine my our mother is a two-year-old. Somebody in downtown Cincinnati like commits an armed robbery, per se. Mm-hmm. And like, so no matter what his um, age or race or gender, mm-hmm. the jury of his peers in quotation marks, it would, be, would have been 12 white guys. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really, People like our grandfather. Right, and it's interesting because they bring up uh, so one of the big plots of this case is that it's like there's one juror that keeps bringing it up. It's like, oh, these kids are, you know how these people are. Mm-hmm. They're always killing each, killing each other. And they're always like uh, th- in this kind of neighborhood, they're just all bad. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind of 
like biasness and racism racism that it's interesting early on in the movie because everyone's kind of like everyone hears him that just kind of blows him off like ah whatever you know mm-hmm. that's just how he feels and like some of you can see some of them just don't want to raise like raise yeah. their opinion or raise their voice against him but as the movie like goes on they get like more upset when he has these outbursts and it ends or doesn't completely end but it gets very close to ending where he goes off on this tangent for a solid two minutes and everyone it's a at great that point, monologue like if anybody is. has to perform a dramatic monologue for an audition and you want like a very bold one that would be a cool one to do yeah <laughs> it's a lot of yelling so yeah. <laughs> you don't get to express a whole lot of different emotions I but it so. is a it is a very uh yeah it is a very interesting one and it it ends on the line i should have written this down um or he's everybody's walked away from the table and he's going what why won't anybody listen to me? Why, where'd everyone going? What? Listen to me. And then the calm, sensible man sits across from the table and goes, we have listened to you. Now stop talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's not that it. exact line, but it's something like yeah, that. Right, Essentially it's saying it's like, we've heard what you have to say. Yeah. You're not making any impact. Yeah, Go away. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah. And the... The performances in the movie are all really strong. Honey, Fronty, of course, is good. And mm-hmm. now I will. So there are. So sorry, sorry to stop okay. you here. There are good performances, but take into account this was made back in the fifties. Yeah, it is cheesy fifties like of fifty course. movies acting. And of course, like and and of course, it's very heavy handed. Like whenever Henry mm-hmm. Fonda is teaching you a lesson the cues and the mm-hmm. mood. But if you also have to think too, who this audience is being made for, if it's a made for TV movie from the fifties, back when there were three networks. Mm-hmm. Well, this was, so there or was the, the made 60s. for TV. So there was made for TV movie, then a stage play. And then the movie in 57 was made for theaters. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, theater, theatrical audience, but still mm-hmm. like pop culture in the fifties is different than pop culture today. Right. So a big budget movie, it would, it would have been seen by, a huge so like being able to appeal to so many people mm-hmm. and i think also kind of like um they had to telegraph their plays right it's like if they're wanting the audience to feel a certain way it's not like today where there's so much nuance and there's so much subtlety because like audiences are much more jaded or cynical they want like a lot of surprises and unconventional things and mm-hmm. of course like i think 12 angry men was groundbreaking for its attitudes on race it's mm-hmm. like breakdown of um taking you behind the scenes of a jury room, just mm-hmm. having a room all in one play. But yeah, the cues and the style mm-hmm. is going to be very, you know. So speaking of the style, it actually, I was looking online. It has, they point out something very interesting where as the movie begins, you have this very drawn back look at the juror room. You see, you can see everyone sitting there whenever somebody has an argument, you can see everyone sitting around them and making their points and like, oh, okay, reacting to, yeah, see, see, I agree with him or making comments like that. As the movie progresses, if you pay attention, it like it continues to crimp down. So at the beginning, you'll see everyone sitting at the table, and about like a third of the way through the movie, uh, you'll so see it like its focus. A, yeah, you'll see a few less people. There will be like three or, or there'll be like three or four people next to him, and then about like two thirds of the way through, there's maybe one person sitting next to the guy sitting next to the guy that they're talking about. And is it like at the very end, it's just focusing uh, head on head on at like one person each time they have something to make, and it gives you a very claustrophobic feeling of like okay, this is. Is getting more and more intense. Yeah, it's it's what, like watching a bunch of sweaty old men and um mm-hmm. and like extreme close-ups. Okay, so before we end, I wanted yes. to talk about the adaptations that have been made. Yes. So there, there was been, one. There are so many. So the most recent one, the one I because the first time I heard about Twelve Angry Men, I watched in high school civics class, like mm-hmm. the the old version. There's also a version from the '90s with an insane um 
cast of characters like Tony Danzo is in yeah. it and like all these other um George C. Scott's in it. Okay. But the thing that drove me crazy about that version is you have this chance to adapt it. Um uh, uh jur- juries in the nineteen nineties are no longer all white men. Yes. Why didn't you so okay, so I'm gonna pitch mm-hmm. uh t- come in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. from uh, my imagination studio. Yes. At Twelve Angry Jurors. So and you <laughs> so you speak of that. Yes. And um there's actually an interesting point because they've made if you if you look at plays, there are twelve angry juror plays okay. all over the place. There's also twelve angry women as well. That's neat. Which is just, you know, twelve angry men except with an all female cast. I've seen uh, different high schools do that. So they've come up with those different ideas. You've just not seen it on a big scale. Yet. Okay. We need to see it on a big scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that I mean, the time is ripe for this, guys. Like, just as we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. all these protests and rallies and civil unrest. I mean, if you want to address race in America today, it's a perfect time to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Make it a part of pop culture. Open people's minds. Make hundreds of millions of dollars at the same time. Yeah, you can um, argue with that. And you can and, – and so what my pitch was is, like, you might want to tweak the story, like, the whole plot a little bit. But I think, like, with police shootings, mm. that's been a heavy thing. And maybe instead of, um, you know – a civilian getting shot mm-hmm. like Black Lives Matter how about um, a policeman is shot but mm. is was the person who shot him like shooting him in self defense and maybe like had a justifiable reason like and you know it could be like all that like all oh, everybody presumes his guilt any, and mm-hmm. this is just a pitch but it's like yeah, yeah any cop killer is guilty but maybe like you know, there was like a raid on his home and they had incorrect evidence and he um, you know exercising his second amendment right mm-hmm. and like thought it was a home intruder so Take this and run with it. Find some other case. You could do one about sexual assault. You could do one about anything. But, like, we need more movies and TV shows that remind people about, like, the American justice system, its flaws, mm-hmm. where we can go from there. Um, it's all – so, like, I think I'm so tired of things that are being adapted that were nailed the first time and don't seem to and change And they don't want the to times. reboot move from it. Yeah. yeah, and, like, 12 Angry Men was perfect for 1957. 12, 12 white men are no longer running our jurors. Yes. So let's do an adaptation that actually deserves one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my two cents. So I'll make Angry. one more. So this is your <laughs> trivia point for the day. Yeah. Um, when it came out, it was nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Did it win any? Lost all of them to The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh. That's that, was just... pretty, that was pretty damn good, too. Um, yeah. If you ever want to see Alec Guinness, at, but not as Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> people older than Troy and I probably know. the. But, yeah, it's a great World War II movie. Uh, and it deserves to win a lot, but yeah, it would have cool if they could have shared the love. I mean, adapted yeah. screenplay. Come on, I mean, I know. I, I, I just <laughs> thought it was really interesting. It's like, oh yeah, I wonder if it was nominated for anything. Yeah, it was nominated yeah. for three things, and then okay, Bridge of River Kwai came out the same year, so yeah, they had no chance. It's funny too when you think about Oscars so white and like juries and all that because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like okay, so Twelve Angry Men, all white men, all the protagonists in the Bridge Over the River Kwai are white, but then like all the bad guys, I think, are Japanese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which makes sense for a movie made during mm-hmm. World War II. Well, okay. it depends on... Okay, we can get a whole yeah. topic. It depends on if you consider the general bad guy. Yeah, that's true. I haven't seen... I'm not as familiar with Bridge Over the River Choir. I do know they're both good. So if you all want to see what was going on in cinema in 1957, mm-hmm. check out both of them. I uh, did want to thank danosongs.com for our intro and outro music. If you all need some royalty-free music for your project, danosongs.com is an excellent resource. If you like our theme song, you should check out the other ones because they're all neat and you don't have to... Yeah. 
rip you don't you know you, you don't have to think oh because hip squared's using it no there's a lot there mm-hmm. um if you want to support our podcast oh yeah thank you dano thanks dano <laughs> if you'd like to support our podcast uh, the best way to do that is to share and like the show on social media tell people about us we don't have an advertising budget but if uh, you have friends out there that you think would be turned on by this um send them a link on soundcloud we are working on itunes guys mm-hmm. we are gonna um get a feed on hopefully so that you can just subscribe to us and keep um keep up with us that way make it a lot easier on you i'm working on it, i promise <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for right now the best way is still to go on a soundcloud um find me as john beecham that's all e's uh b-e-c-h-e-m you can also just go to the audio and podcast section of americanfantastic.com mm-hmm. um and yeah and you can support us on patreon anything helps and that will uh, let us, you know, get new equipment, maybe do some live shows sometime. And um, yeah, that'd be sweet. Exactly. Um, and I just want to make sure you guys check out AmericanFantastic.com so you can find all the other cool things going on there. Uh, I publish all my writing there. Um, our producer, Mayplex Monk, has some really cool uh, bike videos that he did with Maple. Remind me his name. Dr. Rockwell. Dr. Rockwell. Oh, okay. If you guys want to check those out. Um, you can also check out some cool photography, writing, uh, music. There's a lot of neat things on there. Um, and you can also follow American Fantastic on Facebook as well. Uh, I did want to thank uh, also Mayplex Monk for running the boards. Thanks, Mayplex. You can find him on uh, mayplexmonk.com. You can also get involved with the creative community on Facebook. Um, Troy, anything else you'd like to say? I think it was a good podcast. That's what I have to say. Okay. Well. <laughs> Hope you guys agree. Uh, We'll see you next week for another episode of Hip Squared. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.